And so to justify its decision, however, the CBC came out and said, well, we just don't want our journalists to take sides. And if they use the term terrorist, they will be taking a side. But to that, I would say, no doubt. Of course, you're taking a side. You're taking a side against terrorists. What other side would you want to take? When you have That's the voice of Rachel Thomas, a conservative MP from Alberta. And earlier this week, she was in Ottawa demanding Parliament call up the head of the CBC to come in front of lawmakers to explain why the public broadcasters journalists aren't permitted to call the Hamas attackers terrorists or to call what they did in Israel on October 7th terrorism. The request was voted down by the Liberals and the NDP, but the controversy has not gone away over the CBC's coverage of the current Israel-Hamas war. It all started on the Thanksgiving weekend, October 7th, right after news broke of the Hamas attacks on southern Israel and the murders of at least 1,400 Israelis and foreign nationals and the kidnapping of several hundred other people as hostages. The CBC's head of journalistic standards sent out a reminder memo saying the CBC policy is for the journalists themselves not to use loaded words like terrorism or terrorists, but to call them militants. Canada has designated Hamas as a terrorist group for years. So why doesn't the CBC follow its own government's policy? It's just, it's one of those words that is so complicated and fraught that we think it's easier and we build more trust with the audience when we just report exactly what happened. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Thursday, October the 19th, 2023. Welcome to the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, sponsored by Metropia. Brody Fenlon is the CBC News Department's editor-in-chief, and he's also in charge of program standards. And while he's overseeing the round-the-clock coverage of the current war, including placing teams of reporters in the conflict zone, he's been receiving tons of letters and emails from the audience here in Canada, including plenty of complaints about how the CBC is covering the story. The CBC says it's just doing what it's done for decades and what the BBC does and other reputable news organizations around the world. Fenlin also decided to publish an open letter where he outlines why his journalists have strict rules on the use of the words terrorism and terrorists. Brody Fenlin joins me now from CBC headquarters in Toronto. Thank you, Ellen. It's good to see you, Brody. Why did you feel that you had to issue a public explanation on the terminology that CBC journalists use during the Hamas-Gaza crisis this past week? Well, first of all, thank you for for asking me and for allowing me to at least explain. But before I do that, Ellen, can, can I just for a moment acknowledge the incredible pain uh, felt and being experienced by the Jewish community? Um, I mean, I, these attacks by Hamas are... I mean, they're kind of, they kind of break the soul. Uh, they, it is hard to describe the horror. And, um, and I just, I know a lot of people are in pain. So I wanted to say that. And then you and I are going to talk about journalism and practices and language. And I just want to acknowledge how discordant that actually, that conversation can be mapped up against the carnage and the inhumanity that we saw over that weekend appreciate that. However, on this side of the world, as well as in other countries where they're they're discussing coverage, it's because people here feel 
that they want their story told quote properly and that can be for both sides all sides yeah, yeah no and and it and it really matters so let me just step back i published an editor's blog yesterday to try to explain our approach and i had to do that because i'm going to just st- take us back to uh the first weekend it was thanksgiving weekend here in canada the news breaks we are scrambling as a news service to cover this in real time uh with skeleton staff of course and to deploy as quickly as possible. We had to bring people back in who had taken time off. It was quite, you know, we moved very quickly, uh, a massive and difficult story. And in that moment, we also, uh, as we do often in breaking news, we sent out some initial guidance, basically a reminder. Here's how we cover these stories, a reminder about how we use language. Here's a link. and it was shorthand and it was meant for an internal audience of journalists who have more context and more understanding about how we do these things. It wasn't meant for outside. But somebody saw it and leaked it to outside and made it public and uh, with a screenshot. And so, and of course, that in, without the full context really uh, led to all kinds of confusion, all kinds of complaints, anger and hurt. And so the blog was an attempt to at least explain how we approach language around terrorism and and the word terrorist and whether or not people agree or not, but at least to provide more information because what was coming into us was suddenly, you have banned the word terrorist. How could you possibly not use the word terrorism to describe what just happened? If there is, you know, if if this is not terrorism, what is? What is wrong with you? You are trying to minimize, uh, you are trying to whitewash, you are trying to downplay the horror. And, and that was the tone of the complaints we were getting based on what people were seeing being shared on social media and Honest Reporting uh, had, had posted it. And I'll note, by the way, Honest Reporting did post it, but without, no one contacted us to ask for more context or even give us a chance to respond, unfortunately, because I think we, we could have at least helped clarify. So. All that to say, the blog goes into detail. And I can, I can walk you through how I explained it in the blog. We'll uh, get to that. I have a few questions, okay. but I'm sure our readers uh, can, sure. and listeners can lo- look at it for themselves in the interest of time. But there are some points I want to go over. But back to the question you raised, which is you got a lot of complaints. Were there dozens, hundreds, thousands? Well, we've had, first of all, we have complaints on both sides, of course, and they continue. And on a story like this, it's not unusual to get hundreds of complaints and I would say we're probably dozens, if not a, 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 maybe a couple hundred, but a bulk of them are around uh, uh, this leaked memo and the word terrorism and terrorist. One of the things in your explanation was that the CBC's policy, which mimics or uh, not mimics, but is the same as some of the other major networks, right, BBC, what have you, feels that it should use the word terrorist or terrorism when it's a quote by an authority or an expert or a politician, but not a journalist to say these guys are terrorists themselves in a script or in a in a report, right? Or in an online thing. That's the difference. Can you walk us through why that makes a difference? That if someone else says it, it's okay, but we can't say it ourselves. Right. So first of all, this is our approach. It's been this way for decades, at least 30 years, maybe 40 years. 
And to your point, yes, uh, we are in lockstep with a number of other news organizations like the BBC, Reuters, AP, AFP. And the reason for that is, first of all, what do we do? Well, it's just about attribution. When we use it, we attribute it, either in direct quotes or by paraphrasing what someone has said, by stating the position of governments around the world. Uh, so in our language guide, it's very clear Hamas has been designated a terrorist organization by the Canadian government for years. We make that clear in our coverage. When someone says that this is terrorism, we quote them accurately. The, the distinction, and it's nuanced, but the distinction is that the CBC itself, the news division of the CBC, does not designate groups as terrorist or not, or acts as terrorism. Why? Well, because the word is so loaded, it carries so much weight, it is politicized, and I don't want to talk just about this example. I, I, just writ large, over history, in many, many different situations, it is a meaningful word, and people care a lot about it, and they want the CBC to use it as a stamp. And our worry, as the same with other news organizations, is it actually runs the risk of getting in the way of our journalism. How, our how does it do that? How does it get in the way? I'm not clear on that. Does it endanger your crews in the field, for example, which to protect them from reprisals, kidnapping as some journalists get kidnapped, or is it some other reason? Two things. First, we tell our journalists uh, what you need to do is report with precision of language and accuracy be fact-based, describe in explicit detail what happened, report accurately on how people describe what happened, and that's our job. And that terrorism is a word, so just to give you an example, and I said this in the blog, many times people will approach us and say, what just happened today is terrorism. It's state-sponsored terrorism, it's a terrorist act, it's this country is should be accused of terrorism of what, what happened that country should and and that kind of lobbying effort to get our stamp of terrorism we just feel that that shouldn't be our job because it's so loaded we'll leave that to governments we'll allow those governments or officials or the fbi or uh experts to describe it but we don't want to be in the position of every day deciding ourselves this has met the terrorism bar today, and it's not. Here's what I've been, I said to people. If you read and watched or listened to our coverage, there is no doubt in your mind about what happened in these horrific events. There is none. We report, reported what happened in explicit, gruesome, difficult, and raw detail. And no one in our audience is under a uh, misunderstanding about what happened and what Hamas did. Uh, and that's because our reporting was solid. And, but we're, we just we want to avoid being pulled into uh, a debate that actually distracts us from doing that work, which is to telling, telling the story, what happened, uh, and in doing it in real time. So look, and, and listen, people disagree, of course. Uh, and not all news organizations do it this way. Um, others have different approaches, uh, and uh, and that's okay. 
I just know uh, from my my understanding of the CBC, and of course, this policy predates me by many, many years. I linked, for example, in my blog to a review from 2011 where this very same issue was being debated and questioned and the CBC came out and explained why it had this position and the ombudsman, who's independent of the CBC, ruled in favor of the CBC's approach. So it's not new. Uh, but um, but I, I appreciate uh, it, it's an intellectual exercise and it doesn't make sense, especially not in, in very raw, difficult moments like this. There was, I, I believe or I understand, same kind of debate happened with September 11th and how those attacks were being described. And it surfaces in other really brutal moments of... of um, where there's a loss of human life in kind of atrocious acts of violence. Yes, but Brody, I just did a cursory search on the CBC. I just Googled CBC News, September 11th, terrorism and terrorist. And lots of stories on the CBC's website call the September 11th attacks terrorist attacks in the headlines, in the writing. Not a person saying it, but the actual story itself. How can you make that statement when that it is happening and it's not just the government calls it terrorism or the US government calls it terrorism, but actually the headline says it. So how do you yeah. keep consistent? And I just Googled it. I wasn't looking for specific things. It just came up. And you're not the only one who has pulled out examples and links, and I've been sent a few where we weren't consistent. And the only answer to that is to say two things. One, we publish tens of thousands of stories and put to air that many every year some things get through and they shouldn't have but this was do. like the 20th anniversary of the yeah. 9-11 so yeah. there were a lot of stories that day and they were all terror 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 yeah and i've seen it with uh, air india and i've seen it with other but but for me that makes the case of why this matters so much we shouldn't be inconsistent we should be consistent and generally we are uh but we're a big organization with a lot of journalists and a lot of people who come in new and and things get missed and things get by it, but for me that un, that's the problem that's why we have the policy because if you do that if there are inconsistencies then you open yourself up to this very question well why them and not us why this country and not that country Th that is the argument that is the reason we are so careful with the word and Which also is, it becomes political because the conservatives have made statements this last two days that they wanted to right? You know about this, of course, yeah. Rachel Thomas. They want to haul everybody on the carpet in front of the committee. It was supposed yes. to be today. It got blocked by the liberals, apparently. But that's it's not helping the CBC's image to have this because there's a whole movement to defund the CBC. So how does this debate impact you know, the stability of the CBC going forward now that you have this coming out in the middle of um, most watched viewers, viewership is up. You know, it's important. People are, are glued to their to their media outlets. I'm always careful about pontificating and sharing my views and opinions about what the conservatives are doing or or the future of the CBC, because I'm going to oversee the organization that's going to report on all of that and do it fairly and accurately and balanced. Having said that, um, I, I just believe that over time, in, with the consistency of our reporting, 
people see and understand what we are maybe not in the moment and you can't not i mean we can't control how we are or are not politicized or what people will do with with what's what's happened i mean i i i wish we weren't the story that's the worst thing is to be the story we're not the story what's the story right now is what's happening in this region right now you and i are talking while people are still held hostage you and i are talking while um uh, apparently a hospital has been struck in gaza i mean that's the story and i need our journalists to focus on telling it telling it well uh with as few mistakes as possible are there committees like the middle east committee exists i heard that the middle yeah. east committee exists at the cbc for coverage of these are there committees like that for other conflicts in the world or issues could you confirm, confirm that? that sure um just background on the Middle East Committee, what we did was a few years ago, we, we pulled together people with expertise or connection to the region uh, from all sides and, uh, and out of the heat of, the, of a moment like this where, it was, where things were calm and we had that group come together to make recommendations on how could we strengthen our journalism. And they made some great recommendations, including how do we train? I mean, this story is so complex. Uh, it's very difficult if you're green or a new journalist to come in and try to tell this story well. As you can imagine, there are all kinds of uh, pitfalls and mistakes are easily made. People don't understand the region or the history, decades of history. So, uh, so that group was really, really useful. Separate from that, of course, we will spontaneously pull employees together if we know they are struggling or have concerns. Um, we, we have organized groups in the past. I mean, I'm trying to think of the last, but with the, the, um, at the time of the killing of George Floyd, we brought a number of black uh, CBC employees together, people in the journalism division, uh, to, to talk about our coverage, where we were missing, going wrong. So, yeah, we, we have a, a lot of experience doing that. And, th and then our journalistic standards office, our JSP, uh, we have a committee of uh, staff who help advise and guide, and they represent various different groups who, who may be underrepresented in our newsroom. I was told this week that there was a group that you met with earlier, um, with including Jewish staff who were meeting you to voice their concerns. What message did they tell you about what it's like for them to work for the CBC at this time? I want to live up to the promise I've made to our staff, which is we keep things internal. But broadly speaking, uh, this, uh, this concern and spiraling of the story about CBC, which went into a place of actual disinformation, uh, has caused so much, uh, a lot of pain. And, uh, and you know, uh, staff who feel like they, first of all, have to explain how we do our journalism, have to defend the CBC, or have to explain why they still work for the CBC with a community that doesn't understand or is really hurting and, and really don't, doesn't understand this language guidance. So uh, I think I, I, you know, never mind the fact that a number of our Jewish employees are going through the experience of, do I send my kids to school today? Uh, Friday is a day of real fear. I mean, so the, our employees have human lives. They have their lives as journalists. And then they have their lives as being members of the CBC, for which, you know, you end up having to to be the face of the CBC. 
So it's not easy. Are you pulling people off coverage who are either Jewish or Muslim at all? Or that's not a problem? You're allowing people to report on this if they are one or the other? Like MSNBC did, I think, for a while. No, we're not doing anything like that. I mean, look, our promise is whatever we produce when it's published or goes to air is sound and lives up to our journalistic standards and practices and those kind of five core principles of our journalism. If that bar is met, then it's good. If uh, and, and the only other thing we have to do is manage, um, when it exists, a real or perceived conflict of interest. But we have told our staff, being connected to this story by your religion, by your culture, by your family or your community, that does not preclude anyone from doing the journalism. Um, so are those going back to the beginning when you had the, the your blog post about the wording using terrorism versus militants? You said those standards are 40 years old. Uh, is there any room to revise these standards now because the government calls them terrorists? Americans have called them terrorists since 1997. So why would the CBC, which is a publicly funded organization, go against what the government already designated them? It, it doesn't make any sense when people... It's hard for people to wrap their heads around. I understand the position, but I doesn't still doesn't no, make sense. Maybe it's time totally. to revise them. First of all, the way you phrased that has been, um, that has been conveyed to me, the exact same question. But wait a minute, the Canadian government has declared this group, so why would you not as the publicly funded broadcast? Okay, so a couple things in that. First of all, uh, we're the publicly funded broadcaster, but our news division is entirely independent of government. So I just want to be really clear. What government does has no bearing on us or the decisions we make. We are editorially independent, and that's actually enshrined in law. So there's no connection, and and we don't take our cues from government. We take our cues from what we believe is in the public interest and in terms of of the journalism we do. So there's that. Now, uh, and, of course, we attribute that, though. We make it very clear that this is the case. The government has done this, and, and Canadians know about it. Back to the thing that I did, part of it, what she didn't address, if you would kindly try to, is maybe those standards, those 40-year-old standards about language need a a, a redo. Sure. And Ellen, the way, what I tell people is our journalistic standards and practices evolve. Our language guide evolves. We assess everything all the time. Nothing is fixed in stone. But I also believe strongly that when you are in the heat of an intense moment, that's not the time to suddenly change course. Uh, and so if we were ever to get to that point, we would do it very carefully and we would do it not in a moment of intense uh, pressure or, uh, or hostilities. Okay, finally, this is all coming when CBC online sites are blocked by Facebook and Instagram. There's a lot of disinformation. Twitter won't allow people to put links up now. I mean, people, news organizations actually show the links or the headlines, I should say. Um, So Canadians are here in a news vacuum in a way that they haven't been in in a conflict situation even, you know, a month and a half ago. What is the what is the challenge to your news division uh, now to tell this story when so many Canadians can't even see it? No, it's really tough. And it's and I'm not sure a lot of people really appreciate the fact they're not getting news in their feeds. Yesterday, one of our employees who was very relieved to have see the editor's blog published because she wanted to share it with her 
community, went to post it on Facebook, couldn't share it because it's blocked. Wow, is that ever difficult for us? So he, here, that's just one real life example. And what's left in the void is a lot of mixed quality of, of news and information. It, that is a problem. We have been trying to direct people to our websites and to download our news app and to sign up for newsletters, as I'm sure your organization is doing. But it's unfortunate because it really means people have to do extra work if they want to get high-quality, fact-based journalism. It's, it's getting harder and harder. It's a reminder, and I see it all the time, even with this issue. Uh, people don't understand the way journalists necessarily work, and we can never stop explaining that work or trying to lift the curtain. So even this conversation, I appreciate it. I, I understand many people who are listening to it will not agree, who will f f think we've got it wrong. And I get it. And I really respect that. Right. I know that you'll be called biased. You'll be called anti-Semitic. You'll be called all kinds of things. I'm sure those yeah. are not words you haven't heard already. Yeah. Yeah. That not just you personally. I'm talking some of your anchors, etc. Right. I mean, I have dozens of emails today from um, groups associated with Palestinian causes in this country. Very unhappy with our coverage. Uh, it, it is... Uh, per, this is a story where every day someone is not happy with your coverage. And um, it's really a tough one for us. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. If you're wondering why we didn't talk about the CBC's coverage on Tuesday, originally blaming Israel for the rocket attack that supposedly killed 500 people in a hospital in Gaza, it's because our interview happened before we were aware of the story. As you've seen, many news organizations, including the CBC, quickly attributed the blame to Israel and quoted sources in the Gaza Health Ministry. Later, Israel claimed the explosion came from Hamas's own malfunctioning rockets. We'll plan to do an episode soon on the CJN Daily on this information war that's being fought far away from the front. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.